Welcome to Aches and Gains, a weekly talk show covering all aspects of pain and pain relief. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, pain specialist at the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine. Pain has reached epidemic proportions, and chronic pain affects a staggering 25% or more of the population. Its human impact is real and is felt by infants, children, all the way to older adulthood. But there's hope and there's treatment. This show offers compelling stories of those who found relief and offers insight into treatments that can ease pain and human suffering. On today's show, we focus on headaches. It's estimated that over 20 million Americans suffer from headaches. They can range from mild tension headaches to full-blown migraines. And there are a wide range of causes. We'll hear from one of my patients, Jennifer Jett, a longtime migraine headache sufferer. We'll also talk to Dr. Jason Rosenberg, Johns Hopkins neurologist and headache specialist, about what causes headaches and how to treat them. Aches and Gains is sponsored by King Pharmaceuticals, Endo Pharmaceuticals, Neurogesics, and Boston Scientific. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Christo, especially for upcoming shows, please email him at achesandgains at gmail.com. That's achesandgains at gmail.com. Aches and Gains is also available live online. Follow us on Twitter at Dr. Paul Christo and like us on Facebook, Aches and Gains. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. I'm here today with a patient of mine, Jennifer Jett. Thanks so much, Jennifer, for taking the time to be here today. So tell us, when did you begin experiencing headaches? Um, I guess it was in my 16th uh week of pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And will you paint a picture of what those headaches were like? It felt like my head was being crushed. Um, It was just, it was so much more than any regular headache. Um, It was just horrendous. Um, Mm -hmm. Pain in my eye and like crawling up the back of my neck um, and Tylenol did not take care of it. How long would the headaches last? Usually about a day, day and a half. And were you able to function during that day or day and a half? Uh, no, I had to turn off uh, light, had to turn off, um, you know, all, had to be, the room had to be dark. Yeah. Um, there could be no noise, and I just pretty much had to lay there. Mm. Were you able to finish college? Yes. Luckily, I just had one class to finish. So. That is lucky. And Jennifer, how did it affect your job, your relationships with your family and your friends? My husband's very, very understanding, um, but, you know, I don't know many people that would have put up with as much as he's had to so right. far in the 10 years that this has been going on, yeah. you know, from having to, you know, make plans and cancel, mm-hmm. you know, because if you make anything, you know, make, make an appointment, you know, a week ahead and then you're sick on that day, you know, not too many people take kindly to that. Right. When were you diagnosed? It was in um, 1998 before Emma was born, my daughter. Okay. And will you take us through a typical day with a migraine headache? Sometimes I'll wake up with pain and Um, that I can, if I catch it early enough, I can take a uh, muscle relaxer and a pain pill and, Mm -hmm. you know, I can, sometimes I can sleep it off and then, you know, it only lasts a few hours and feel better. If not, um, I get very ill and start vomiting and that can last several days. And Mm -hmm. then I have to resort to, um, suppositories and pain patches and different things. Yeah. You know, some listeners may wonder how a headache can be so destructive. That is, you know, they may have a tension headache from time to time and be able to take a Motrin or Tylenol to reduce their pain. Yet uh, for you and for millions of others who suffer from migraine headaches, it's just not possible to do that. Yeah. I I used to get, you know, headaches that were regular headaches, um, 
you know, when I was younger where I could take a Tylenol or an Advil and they mm-hmm. would go away. Right. And these just don't respond to that anymore. Um, it's, it's a different type of headache. Um, it sets in like my eye. It, it crawls up the back of my neck. I don't, it's the only way I can sort of describe it. Mm-hmm. And it does not respond to, um, you know, regular over-the-counter pain medicine. Light is very, you know, it's very um, sensitive to light and noise. Yeah. Um, very, very destructive in your whole life. Very destructive. It seems like it would um, limit your ability to work in certain jobs or even to take certain trips or vacations. Oh, you, you can't plan anything like that um, because, you know, if you have to get your medication, um, I've had a hard time getting on planes. Um, I have injectable medication and I've had to worry about you know, can I take these things on there with me or, yeah. you know, do I have enough medicine to go on the trip? Right. Um, also, I've I've also had times where I've been able to get on the vacation, but I've been so sick that I haven't been able to come home. Mm. How has it affected your, your husband and children? My uh, my kids have had to grow up in, in a manner where instead of just being normal kids, you know, running around playing, um, very early on, you know, as, as, you know, babies and toddlers, they had to learn that, you know, that, you know, today mommy's not feeling well and they had to tiptoe around, you know, when they were, you know, eight months old, they had to learn how to do this and, and they did. After the break, we'll hear about the treatments Jennifer has found most helpful. Aches and Gains is sponsored by King Pharmaceuticals, a leading pharmaceutical company focused in specialty driven markets, including pain management, and dedicated to improving and protecting quality of life for people around the world. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Christo, especially for upcoming shows, please email him at achesandgains at gmail.com. That's achesandgains at gmail.com. Welcome back to Aches and Gains. I'm Dr. Paul Christo. We're speaking with Jennifer Jett about helpful treatments for her migraine headaches. Let's talk a little bit about the treatments that you found most helpful. Um... Uh, muscle relaxants, um, antidepressants have been helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, injectable um, Botox in my face that you've been giving me has been really well, uh, really good for me. Right, and let's talk a little bit about those Botox injections because I'm not sure that uh, many of those listening understand what that process entails. Can you describe what it means to have those those injections? You um, you don't just get it, you know, in your face to make you look pretty, but um, <laughs> you get it all over from you know front of your face, um, all over the top of your head, down the back of your head, in your neck, mm-hmm. top of your shoulders. Um, it hits all the different muscles and. Um, it's little, little injections that um, control the muscles and nerves and stuff that cause pain. And how soon after the Botox injections for your migraines did you experience relief? I would say maybe um, a couple days to a week. That's great. And what kind of relief did you experience? So, for example, did you feel as though you had fewer headaches or that the headaches were less intense or had less vomiting? Well, the, the headaches weren't as strong. I would say that, you know, I was still getting headaches, but they weren't. They weren't, you know, those really, really bad ones, yeah. and I wasn't getting as many. And along with Botox injections, are you taking anything else to reduce your migraine headaches? Um, yes, I'm taking prescription pain medicine mm-hmm. and um, the muscle relaxants. Jennifer, do you feel that you need all of these medicines or to control your pain, or can do you feel that you can reduce some of these at some time? 
Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm definitely hoping that this isn't, you know, a lifelong solution, but mm. um, for right now, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's working for right now. Good. You know, some of my patients have noted that yoga and meditation and sometimes acupuncture have been helpful in reducing their headaches. Have you had the chance to try these treatments uh, as well? Uh, not yet, but I am looking into it. It seems as though at this point you're more functional than you were before because of a couple of treatments that you've been getting. I'd like everybody to understand what you can do now that you couldn't do before. You know, on good days, I'm able to get up and help my kids off to school. Mm -hmm. um, I'm able to, you know, help do some chores around the house, yeah. um, you know, with laundry, um, help with um, volunteering at school, um, mm -hmm. you know, help with, you know, after school activities, getting the kids ready for bed, right. you know, dinner, you know, regular activities, you know, and, and before it was total, you know, debilitation. Mm, that's great. What advice would you give to help overcome some of the devastation related to having migraine headaches? Um, I guess my best advice is to, you know, keep looking for a doctor that's going to help you. If you don't feel like somebody, you know, the doctors that you're going to or listening to you, keep looking to find the doctors that do listen and hear what you're saying, you know, that, that do, you know, find the answers for you. Jennifer, thank you for being with us today to share your story. Thank you. You're listening to Aches and Gains. I'm Dr. Paul Christo. When we come back, we'll talk to Dr. Jason Rosenberg, headache specialist, about what causes headaches and how to treat them. Aches and Gains is sponsored by Endo Pharmaceuticals, a U.S.-based specialty healthcare solutions company that delivers innovative diagnostics, drugs, devices, and clinical data to meet the needs of patients in areas such as pain, urology, oncology, and endocrinology. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. Follow us on Twitter at drpaulchristo and like us on Facebook, Aches and Gains. Welcome back to Aches and Gains. I'm Dr. Paul Christo. We're talking with Dr. Jason Rosenberg, Johns Hopkins headache specialist, about what causes headaches and how to treat them. Dr. Rosenberg, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good to be here. Dr. Rosenberg, how common are headaches? Um, headaches are basically a ubiquitous part of human life. In the U.S., there are an estimated 30 to 40 million patients with migraine alone, and almost everybody at some point in their life will suffer a garden variety tension type headache. I've often wondered what the purpose of a headache is. Is there any value to having a headache? The main aspect of pain is probably protective. Uh, the, the sensation of pain, or what we call nociception, leads you to a response that will protect you from injury or make you escape or avoid. But those same pain systems that we have are subject to spontaneous activation, and that's largely what we think of in garden variety headache syndromes like migraine, tension headache, cluster headaches, is that these pain systems have gone awry and spontaneously provoke symptoms um, that otherwise would feel like something horrible is going on, like somebody's hitting your head with a brick or like something is exploding inside of your head. What actually causes a headache? Stress? Smells? Trauma? Is that right? Yeah, that, that's exactly right. So we divide headaches into two parts, basically headaches as a result of something else bad going on. And th this is really uh, a normal activation of the pain systems. So it's nociception. So you've been hit in the head, 
uh, something is being pulled, pushed, squished, um, moved, there's inflammation going on. And that, that sort of headache is a symptom of something else bad going on, as opposed to migraine tension cluster, where you're probably born with a tendency to get them. And certain stimuli can provoke that pain system into going haywire. What happens in the brain during a headache? Very little is known about other types of headache, but migraine and cluster we know a little bit about. Um, in migraine, the, there's an area that's now being called the headache center. It's an area in the brainstem, uh, the sort of life support system of the brain, uh, where most neural signals go in and out of on the way to and from uh, the brain and the body. And this area of the brain spontaneously becomes active. It will show up on MRI studies, for example, or PET scans, and feeds into a whole variety of circuitry. So not only does it end up causing pain in the head and neck area and behind the eyes, but then through various relay circuits activates other areas that cause sensitivity to light, that increases the gain, uh, sort of the amplification of other neurons that makes loud noise seem painful, bright light seem painful, that activates the nausea centers. And it's a neurobiological chemical cascade of events. It's multiple circuits all firing in parallel um, that are recruited by this area in the brainstem. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is sponsored by Neurogesics, a biopharmaceutical company focused on developing and commercializing novel pain management therapies. For live online listening to Aches and Gains, please go to paulchristomd.com. Follow us on Twitter, at Dr. Paul Christo, and like us on Facebook, Aches and Gains. Welcome back to Aches and Gains. I'm Dr. Paul Christo. We're talking with Dr. Jason Rosenberg, Johns Hopkins headache specialist, about what causes headaches and how to treat them. How about cluster headache? Uh, cluster headache, in addition to similar uh, circuitry of migraine, can also activate uh, pathways that are responsible uh, for blood vessel changes. And when they happen in the face, nose, and eyes, the uh, eyes will become red, water, uh, typically on one side. Uh, the nose will run and become congested. And that's, that's thought to be uh, part of the flight and fight pathway. The parasympathetic system causes the congestion and the running. And at the same time, the sympathetic system gets involved. And so patients get anxious and agitated and frustrated and um, results in sort of rocking behaviors and people will bang their head and pace around. Uh, so the, these, what sound on the surface to be fairly simple, my head hurts, underlying that is a whole orchestra of things going on. Are kids and older adults equally as susceptible to headaches as people in middle age? Headaches have sort of a, at least migraine, which is again the most common type, have a pretty reliable curve of prevalence uh, that's held true over the last several decades, every study that's been done. So they're relatively infrequent in kids, interestingly, about the same um, prevalence in boys and girls until puberty hits, and then they really take off in women. Uh, so migraines are about three times as common in adult women as adult men, so about 18% of women and about 6% of men. And that curve sort of peaks at around age 40, and then the prevalence begins to decrease, particularly after menopause in women. Uh, in kids, migraines probably, you know, the prepubescent years is probably 7% or less. Certainly in retrospect, you can tell that certain kids have been getting them down to age 2, age 3, but, but they are uncommon. Do we know whether babies get headaches? You know, it's hard to tell uh, whether babies get headaches or babies get, um, you know, any number of, of, of adult 
symptoms because they, they can't describe them. What we do know in kids that are preverbal, so very young infants, toddlers, that they have behaviors that look like migraine. Uh, they'll get pale, they'll vomit, they'll get pukey, they'll withdraw with no known explanation, and then they'll nap and suddenly be better. And in retrospect, when, you, when these kids grow up and you discover now they're having migraines, you look back and you say, you know what, that was probably their migraines all along. Are there studies of migraines in kids? Migraines are hard to study in kids, um, younger, you know, pre-verbal kids. We, we, there have been some studies done where kids actually will draw their experiences. And even kids who don't have words to describe what they have will draw pictures of hammers hitting their heads or, or other things. So that's sometimes a useful way to get at it in the pediatric population. But we're really not sure about infants. When are headaches dangerous or even life-threatening? There's this pain system in the head. And fortunately, most of the time when it goes off, it's just in and of itself going haywire. But occasionally, a headache is, is a real sign that something bad's going on. There are any number of what we call red flags that your headache should bring you to medical attention. Uh, a typical one that you would hear about is a thunderclap headache. That's a headache that becomes maximal or just escalates in intensity within a couple of minutes. So it hits you like a clap of thunder or a bolt of lightning. So any change in headache pattern, a first headache, uh, unusually severe, uh, worst of your life, very rapid in onset, or any change in pattern of prior headaches. Let's talk about some of the treatments for headaches, starting with medicines. Most of us have experienced a tension-type headache, little nagging headache, maybe a band, uh, a pressing quality around the head. And the, the good thing about this type of headache is you, you can usually get on with your day. Uh, it's well known that standard pain relievers, aspirin, Tylenol, other anti-inflammatory drugs, and even perhaps a cup of coffee will knock a headache like this out. The migraine uh, headaches are more difficult to treat very often, and while they will respond to all those other drugs, they sometimes require something a little bit uh, more designer or more specifically targeted uh, for them. So we have a whole variety of drugs now that, that are geared specifically toward migraine, the major family of which is called the triptans. There are seven of those drugs in that, in that family. They're designer drugs that work specifically for migraine. And while they may work for other types of disorders as well, they, they are uh, very specific at the circuitry of migraine. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is sponsored by Boston Scientific, a leader in microelectric implantable technologies used to treat chronic neuropathic pain. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Christo, especially for upcoming shows, please email him at achesandgains at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at drpaulchristo and like us on Facebook, Aches and Gains. Welcome back to Aches and Gains. I'm Dr. Paul Christo. We're talking with Dr. Jason Rosenberg, Johns Hopkins headache specialist, about what causes headaches and how to treat them. I read recently that botulinum toxin, or Botox, is approved for migraines. Tell us more about this therapy. Botox is uh, a poison uh, produced by a bacteria that causes muscle paralysis. And this has been um, synthesized in large vats, and very minute quantities of this poison can paralyze muscles and is useful medically. For example, uh, somebody who's cross-eyed, you can weaken the overactive muscle and bring the eyes back into alignment. That was one of the first uses of Botox. And they're useful for various other types of muscle spasms or muscle overactivity. What uh, quickly began happening is that uh, it began being used cosmetically. And who uses it cosmetically? Young women, uh, and in, particularly in California. Who gets migraines? Young women. 
uh, get them more frequently. And some of those women began reporting, you know what, doctor, my wrinkles are better, but so are my headaches. Some may wonder whether injecting a toxin or poison is safe. Is it? At least in headache, it appears to be there were no serious side effects. The most common complication was stiff neck. So the, the drug is thought not just to paralyze muscles, but to actually block some pain transmission and some inflammatory signals. And uh, in, in, at least in headaches, it's injected at very dilute amounts and very minute amounts to, the, to some of the muscles around the face, neck, um, uh, crow's feet, and other things. So you, you end up having fewer wrinkles as a side effect, sometimes neck pain. Many consume alcohol and caffeine frequently or even in large quantities. Should they be avoided if you have headaches? Alcohol has been reliably shown in a number of studies now to provoke uh, both migraines and cluster headaches. It's thought that the darker the alcohol, uh, the more likely that it is, not just due to the alcohol itself, but due to other substances in in the uh, beverages. How about caffeine? Caffeine is a double-edged sword. So if you don't drink caffeine and you get a migraine, a cup of coffee or even a big soda may knock it out. Uh, In fact, the FDA-approved drug for migraine Excedrin is just aspirin, Tylenol, and caffeine. What we do know, though, is if you consume a lot of caffeine, more than about a cup and a half, so more than about 10 ounces a day of coffee, you are actually at much higher risk for ending up with very frequent or even daily headaches. Tell us about some new drugs for headache on the horizon. There's a new class of drugs which we think will be approved, maybe the first one as early as next year, that has no activity at all on blood vessels. And this has sort of disproven the vascular theory of headache. So some physicians still call these headaches vascular headaches. And in fact, the blood vessels are involved in headaches and they will expand and contract. Um, but, but this particular new family of drug called the CGRP antagonist, that's calcitonin gene-related peptide antagonists, actually don't narrow blood vessels at all. And they're shown to work probably uh, as well as uh, or even better than the triptan medications and could be coming out as soon as next year, the, the first one. There's some concern that if taken too frequently, they may cause liver inflammation, which has delayed their approval. And there are a number of other drugs being developed that have no activity on blood vessels as well. And it remains to be seen. Some of them are in human trials now, but it remains to be seen uh, whether they will, in fact, meet approval criteria or be safe. And unfortunately, over the years, there have been dozens of drugs that have fallen by the wayside. Dr. Rosenberg, thank you for sharing your expertise with us today. Tune in next time when we explore another interesting topic on aches and gains. Aches and Gains is also available live online. Follow us on Twitter at Dr. Paul Christo and like us on Facebook, Aches and Gains. Each week we invite you to email Dr. Christo with your questions at achesandgains at gmail.com. This is a question from Jerry in Arbutus. I was diagnosed with viral meningitis a few weeks back. I was in the hospital for three days, treated and released. I have had severe head and neck pain since being released. Some days the pain is so bad that I cannot get out of bed. Jerry, spinal taps can cause a headache called a postdural puncture headache or spinal headache. The headache is associated with light and sound sensitivity. Spinal headaches will get better without any treatment, but it can take weeks. If you have a spinal headache, certain medications plus caffeine intake can help. Otherwise, we do a procedure called a blood patch, which is when we remove a small amount of your blood and inject it into the epidural space. This is a question from Jim in Hunt Valley. I suffered for over six years with debilitating headaches and migraines with little relief from pharmaceuticals. 
In the end, I was desperate and was seeking any treatment to stop the constant pain, and I stumbled onto neurofeedback. I have remained migraine and headache-free since a short round of neurofeedback treatment. What do you think of this treatment? Jim, there is evidence that these are useful. The public and even physicians tend not to be aware of these less traditional therapies because they aren't studied to the same degree as the pharmacological treatments. The views and opinions expressed in this radio program are solely the views of Dr. Paul Christo and do not necessarily express the views of this radio station and Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, nor an endorsement by any or all of them of any of its content. This show provides medical information, not advice. Please consult your personal physician before engaging in any course of treatment or use of any of the techniques or products discussed on this show. Discussion of particular uses of products on this show have not been approved by any of the manufacturers of such products. Aches and Gains is produced by Eric Vohr and Dr. Paul Christo. Ty Ford is the audio engineer, and Elsa Langford is the technical consultant and engineer. Follow us on Twitter at DRPaulChristo and like us on Facebook, Aches and Gains. Thanks for listening. This is Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo.